Well, good morning. Welcome to Long Hill Baptist Church. Happy Resurrection Sunday. We're going to start with number 139. Christ the Lord is risen today. We'll sing the first, the second, and the last of number 139. Christ the Lord is risen today. Alleluia. Sons of men and angels say, Alleluia. Raise your joys and triumphs high. Alleluia. Sing ye hymns and earth reply. Alleluia. Lives again our glorious King. Alleluia. Where, O oh, death, is now thy sting? Alleluia. Dying once, he all does save. Alleluia. Where thy victory, O oh, grave? Alleluia. And the last. Story now where Christ has led. Alleluia. Following our exalted head. Alleluia. Made like him, like him we rise. Alleluia. Ours the cross, the grave, the skies. Alleluia. Well, good morning. I'd like to welcome you to our Resurrection Sunday uh, morning service uh, here at Long Hill Baptist Church in Trumbull, Connecticut. Thank you for joining us online today. Uh, it's our privilege to have you with us. Uh, we don't like not being able to assemble together, uh, but boy, we're grateful for this technology and grateful that you have chosen to join us this morning. Let's go ahead and open in prayer. Uh, we'll thank the Lord uh, for uh, the gospel, for sending the Lord Jesus Christ. We'll thank him for the death of our Savior, and we'll thank him for the resurrection of our Savior. Let's pray. Father, I do thank you so very much, Lord, that you loved us so much that you sent your only begotten son to die in my place, Lord, so that my sins could be forgiven. Lord, that I would not have to worry about hell for one moment. Father, I thank you for uh, your son, the Lord Jesus Christ, God the Son, who was willing to allow his blood to be shed to cover my sins, who died upon the cross and who was buried and who rose again, on the third day, just exactly as he said he would, proving who he is, proving that you were satisfied, uh, Lord, proving that anyone who would repent and place their faith in Christ truly can be forgiven of sin and know eternal life from that moment forward, no matter what. Father, I thank you this morning, Lord, for the men here uh, who were able to be here to help this morning. I thank you that we still have the privilege to teach and preach your words. Father, they're the words that show us who you are. They're the words that reveal the consequence of sin and that we're all sinners. Lord, they reveal the Lord Jesus Christ to be the only way of salvation. Father, I thank you this morning that anyone 
can look into your word and see the way of salvation. Lord, I thank you for my salvation this morning. I thank you for our church. I thank you so very much for working in our lives. I pray you'd work here this morning. Lord, as we sing, uh, I pray that people sing out wherever they are and that you would be pleased. Father, work here now, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We'll take our hymnals and turn to number 561. We'll sing the first, second, and last of I Love to Tell the Story, number 561. and his glory of Jesus and his love I love to tell the story because I know tis true it satisfies my longings as nothing else can do I love to tell the story will be my theme and glory to tell the old, old story of Jesus and his love. I love to tell the story more wonderful it seems than all the golden fancies of all our golden dreams. I love to tell the story, it did so much for me, and that is just the reason I tell it now to thee. I love to tell the story, twill be my theme and glory, to tell the old, old story of Jesus and his love and the last I love to tell the story for those who know it best seem hungering and thirsting to hear it like the rest and when in scenes of glory I'll sing the new new song will be the old, old story that I have loved so long. I'd love to tell the story, Twill be my theme and glory, to tell the old, old story of Jesus and his love. Amen. Good singing. Now let's turn to number 140. Number 140, appropriate song for this morning, He Lives. 140. I serve a risen Savior, He's in the world today. I know that He is living, whatever man may say. 
I see his hand of mercy, I hear his voice of cheer, and just the time I need him, he's always near. He lives, he lives, Christ Jesus lives today. He walks with me and talks with me along life's narrow way. He lives, he lives, salvation to impart. You ask me how I know he lives. He lives within my heart. In all the world around me, I see his love and care. I know my heart grows weary, I never will despair. I know that he is leading through all the stormy blast. And his appearing will come at last. He lives, he lives, Christ Jesus lives today. He walks with me and talks with me along life's narrow way. He lives, he lives, salvation to impart. You ask me how I know he lives. He lives within my heart and the last. Rejoice, rejoice, O Christian, lift up your voice and sing. Eternal hallelujahs to Jesus Christ the King, the hope of all who seek him, help of all who find. None other is so loving, so good and kind. He lives, he lives, Christ Jesus lives today. He walks with me and talks with me along life's narrow way. He lives, he lives, salvation to impart. You ask me how I know he lives. He lives within my heart. Well, he lives indeed. He died, uh, he was buried, he rose again. Uh, he is the Lord Jesus Christ, and he is very much alive this morning. Take your Bible, if you would, this morning, please, and turn to Matthew chapter 28. Matthew uh, chapter 28. On this Resurrection Sunday, we have the great privilege to consider again the empty tomb where Christ had been buried. Of course, uh, he died. Uh, he was buried uh, after he was crucified. Listen, he was killed. Don't forget this morning. Uh, he was killed upon the cross for you and for me, uh, for everyone. There may be someone listening in, watching this morning, uh, who is not uh, sure, who does not yet have knowledge about why uh, all that happened. Well, the death, burial, the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, they did happen. Uh, I would argue this morning that those are the most important, the most significant events uh, in all of human history. And, and if you're listening this morning and you're not sure why, please listen. Uh, please listen. The cross where Christ, God the Son, died, where he shed his blood uh, and died, it's God's answer to the greatest problem that man has ever had. And it's a problem that all men, all people, everywhere have. And uh, I want you to understand this morning, it's a problem that is far greater than uh, any pandemic has ever been. That may be hard to understand, uh, but I want you to understand this morning, according to the Bible, the greatest problem that man has ever had, it's not sickness, uh, it's sin. Uh, it's disobedience to God and the consequences to that disobedience 
that are because of God's justice. Uh, God's justice, his holiness, uh, is such that it's perfect. And, and anything that uh, we do uh, wrong, according to God's words, is, is sin. And, and God's justice requires a payment uh, be made for sin. Well, pastor, is this really my problem? Well, Romans chapter 3 and verse 23 makes it clear the Bible says that all have sinned. Listen, we've all done things that are against God's word. And that's our problem. Uh, that's the problem we have because of the consequences. Uh, it's the biggest problem we face because uh, it has the most terrible consequences. In Romans 6 and verse 23, the Bible says the wages of sin, what we get, what we earn because of sin is death. And that, that word death there refers both, I believe, to a, a physical death, but importantly to a separation, a death that refers to a separation from God uh, in a very real hell. Now listen. Thankfully, the Bible has one simple solution for our sin problem uh, and for the consequences of sin. That solution is the Lord Jesus Christ, God the Son, who shed his blood and who died upon that cross to pay the price due for my sin and your sin. God sent him there to take upon himself the sin that we are guilty of and to then pay the price that was satisfied God's justice there upon the cross. That's the reason uh, for the cross. Now, a moment ago, I shared Romans 6 and verse 23, where the Bible says the wages of sin is death. Thankfully, the wages of sin is death. Thankfully, the second part of that verse reads this way. But the gift of God, Brother Ray, is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. That's God's answer to the problem that we face. The Bible says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No man come to the Father, uh, unto the Father but by me. He said, he said, I'm the only way. Everybody has a sin problem. Uh, but I am the only way to avoid the consequence of a very real hell. That's what the Bible says. That's what Jesus says. His death upon the cross is God's only answer for our sin problem. How could that be? How could that be the case? Well, he's God the Father. He determines what will satisfy his justice. He sent his only son, a perfect, completely holy, completely righteous sacrifice for our sins, God says, that satisfies him. Now, here's the thing. That makes possible the forgiveness of all people. But that forgiveness is not actually paid on to our account until we choose to receive that gift. Uh, if you will turn from sin and place your faith in Christ, that is what causes uh, his righteousness, the payment for his sin as well, uh, to be paid onto our account. I want everyone to understand everywhere uh, that you may be listening this morning that uh, in order to benefit personally from the cross, there is a transaction that needs to take place. It's not a financial transaction, but in a sense, it is like that. Uh, it's like that. So stop and consider just for a moment, because of sin, we owe a debt to God the Father. There's a payment that has to be made in order to satisfy his justice. 
as we've said, Christ satisfies the Father by paying that debt for us upon the cross. Uh, And when we come to Christ in faith, repenting of sin, that payment that Christ made on the cross is then paid onto our account. It satisfies the debt that we have incurred because of our sin. When we turn from sin and turn to Christ and place our faith in him, the price that he paid on the cross is paid onto our account. It satisfies God the Father in full. Now listen, you only have two choices in life. You can choose to place your faith in Christ, a humble, repentant faith, uh, causing, resulting in his uh, payment that he made on the cross to be paid onto our account, we're saved, forgiven, or you can pay the price yourself in a very real hell. That is not God's desire. That is not God's hope. I encourage you this morning, if you've never made the decision to trust Christ, uh, you need to make that decision. Today's the day. Uh, And what a wonderful day it would be, Resurrection Sunday, Easter Sunday, to say, Lord, you know what? I understand that maybe for the first time. Uh, I do understand that I'm a sinner. I've I've stolen things. I've lied. I've I've done things that I I know are sin. Uh, And in my heart this morning, I'm convinced that Jesus Christ is the only way, just like he said, Uh, Lord, you're convicting me that I'm a sinner. You're convicting me. You're showing me in my heart that Jesus really is the only way to be made right with you. So today I will turn from sin. I will turn to Christ and I will place my faith upon him uh, and him alone for forgiveness of my sin. Listen, here's the best news that, that you may have ever heard. If you'll do that, all of your sins are forgiven forever. Past sins, present sins, future sins. Uh, yes, the Lord calls you to, uh, to, to learn his words and, and to grow and obey, but no matter what, your sins are forgiven. You have eternal life. You needn't worry about hell for a moment. Uh, heaven is a certain hope. The fact that Jesus rose from the grave uh, quite supernaturally is a great proof of the truth of the Bible and a truth that he is the only way, a truth that God the Father was satisfied by his death, and that he offers us salvation uh, in and through the blood that Christ shed, his death, his resurrection. I encourage you this morning, uh, if if that transaction hasn't occurred in your life, uh, stop right now and, and, and pray, Lord, I put my faith in Christ. Uh, I understand I I need to do that for forgiveness, and I'm making a decision this morning to do that. Uh, Your works will not save you. Your religion will not save you. The Bible says we're saved by grace through faith, not of ourselves. Uh, It is the gift of God, but it's a gift that you have to choose to receive. I hope if you've not made that decision before, uh, you'll make that decision this morning. Now, I want to give you just a a very quick, very brief introduction to uh, our message this morning. Last uh, spring, uh, I preached a nine-week series on the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. It kind of led up to Resurrection Sunday, Easter Sunday. We went a week or two past that. Uh, In that series, we looked at Luke's gospel, I believe, in all of the messages. This morning, what I'd like to do is is just look at the, the resurrection Uh, the evidence of the resurrection, uh, the perspective of different people who had the privilege to to be there and and to witness that, not in Luke, but now in Matthew uh, chapter 28. I'm going to give you uh, four main points this morning. 
Uh, there'll be four M's, M like Mary. We'll see the Marys who discovered the empty tomb. Uh, we'll see the messenger, the angel who was sent by God to explain uh, what happened. We'll see the Messiah, Christ, who died and who buried and who, was rose, uh, who did rise again. Uh, and the men who were his disciples whom he, he commissioned. So four M's this morning. Uh, we'll see here this morning before we're done. Take your Bible, please. Matthew uh, chapter 28. I'm going to read uh, the chapter. It's, it's just 20 verses. We can do that rather quickly. Uh, I want you to see the whole passage, and then we'll come and, and, and we'll see those four M's this morning. So uh, let's read through the passage together. I'll pray, and, and we'll jump right in. Uh, chapter 28, the book of Matthew, Matthew's gospel says in verse 1, in the end of the Sabbath, as it began to dawn toward the first day of the week, uh, Sunday, came Mary Magdalene and the other Mary to see the sepulcher, that place where Christ had been buried. Uh, verse 2 says, and behold, there was a great earthquake. Uh, that, that was a sign for sure, for the angel of the Lord descended from heaven uh, and came and rolled back the stone from the door uh, and sat upon it. So there was a miracle there. Something was unusual here. Uh, verse 3, his countenance, the angel, was like lightning uh, and his, his raiment white as snow. Uh, and for fear of him, the keepers, uh, the keepers did uh, and for fear of him, the keepers did shake and became as dead men. And the angel answered and said unto the, the women, uh, Fear not ye, for I know that ye seek Jesus, which was crucified. Uh, verse 6 is a wonderful verse. The angel says, He is not here, for he is risen, as he said. Come and see the place where the Lord lay. Where he was laid, now he's gone. He's gone from here. Verse 7, the angel said, and go quickly and tell his disciples for he is, that he is risen from the dead. Uh, and behold, he goeth before you into Galilee. He's not here. He's gone before you into Galilee. He's, the angel said, there shall ye, all of you, see him. Lo, I have told you. Verse 8 says, and they departed quickly from the sepulcher with fear and great joy. And they did run to bring the disciples' word. Verse 9 says, And as they went to tell his disciples, behold, Jesus met them, saying, All hell. And they came and, and held him by his feet and worshipped him. Then said Jesus unto them, Be not afraid. Go, tell my brethren that they shall go into Galilee, and there shall they see me. Now, verse 11, now when they were going, behold, some of the watch came into the city and showed unto the chief priests, uh, the Jewish rulers, all the things that were done. Uh, and when they were assembled, when the Jewish leaders were assembled with the elders and had taken counsel, they gave large money unto the soldiers, saying, Say ye, you all say his disciples came by night and stole him away while we slept. They paid off the Roman soldiers to say that Jesus' disciples came during the night and stole his body. Uh, they didn't want anyone to believe that he was supernaturally, miraculously resurrected as he said he would. They needed another story. 
Uh, and so they, they bribe the soldiers to tell this falsehood. Verse 14 says, and if uh, this come to the governor's ears, we'll persuade him and secure you. So they took the money uh, and did as they were taught. And this saying is commonly reported uh, among the Jews until this day. And verse 16 says, then the 11 disciples went away into Galilee. That's where they were instructed to go. Into a mountain where Jesus had appointed them. Uh, verse 17, and when they saw him, they saw him too. They worshiped him, uh, but some doubted. Uh, and Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power, all authority is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore, because of my authority to instruct you, go ye therefore, teach all nations the gospel, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, and teaching them, them who received Christ and who were baptized, discipling, teaching them to observe all things, to obey all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, a wonderful promise here. I am with you. I am in the midst of you. I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Matthew writes, amen. Uh, say amen with me this morning. Let's pray, please. Father, thank you this morning for Matthew chapter 28. What a wonderful, wonderful passage uh, here in your word. Uh, Lord, we need this passage this morning. Uh, I thank you so very much for uh, your word, which records not only the, that Christ shed his blood to cover my sins, not only that he died, not only that he was buried, but that he truly did uh, rise again. He was resurrected uh, proving the truth of the gospel, proving the truth of his claims, proving that you were satisfied by his death, making it possible for anyone who would turn to Christ in faith, repenting of sin, placing their faith in him, really, truly can be forgiven, really, truly will have eternal life from that day forward. Lord, I pray this morning that we'd be greatly encouraged by these words. We need your encouragement this morning, Father. I pray that we'd be encouraged by these two Marys. I pray, Lord, we'd be encouraged by the message of the, the messenger, the angel, and by Christ himself uh, and the men who are his disciples. Lord, help me now, I pray uh, in Jesus' name. Amen. This is a great passage. Amen. I want to encourage you, uh, have your uh, pen and paper, uh, write with something, get some points down here this morning that you can go back and review and, and be encouraged by. Uh, number one this morning, see the Marys, uh, the two Marys, these uh, faithful women who went to the tomb uh, where Jesus had been uh, buried. This is the tomb of Joseph of Arimathea, who had uh, wonderfully, faithfully offered that unused grave, that unused tomb uh, for Jesus in which to be buried, and, and, and he was buried there. Look back at verse 1. In the, in the end of the Sabbath, uh, in the end of the Sabbath, as it began to dawn toward the first day of the week. Now, just be reminded, the first day of the week is Sunday. It's not Monday, but it is technically the first day of the week. Jesus was discovered to be resurrected uh, on the first day. No doubt that's why the biblical New Testament churches uh, shifted to, uh, from their, their, their old uh, Jewish way of meeting on Saturday to uh, a new uh, post-resurrection uh, model of meeting on Sunday. Uh, no doubt it's a, it's a commemoration, uh, not unlike uh, the Lord's Supper, 
uh, but recognizes that Christ was resurrected on, on the first day on Sunday. Uh, so we see here, uh, on that day came Mary Magdalene, uh, and the Bible says the other Mary to see the sepulcher. Now, Mark records that they had come this day to anoint the body of Jesus. Uh, he was dead, but they were still serving him. Uh, what a wonderful faith. I want to just back up here and consider for a moment who are these two Marys. We've got not one, but two Marys here. Uh, who are they? Well, we know for certain the first one is Mary Magdalene because that's what the Bible says. She's, she's identified. We know her from Scripture. Uh, we know that this is a woman out of whom Jesus cast uh, seven devils or seven demons. Uh, Mark records that back in uh, Mark 16 uh, and verse uh, 9. Uh, Jesus cast seven devils out of her uh, before she had come to Christ in faith. Uh, she evidently had been possessed by seven demons. That's a, a real possibility for people who do not know Christ as their Savior. Uh, they can be possessed uh, by demons. I uh, believe biblically only a believer could only be oppressed or influenced uh, by the enemy, by demons. But uh, Mary Magdalene, evidently before she had come to saving faith in Christ, she was literally possessed by seven devils uh, or seven demons. Now, evidently, after Jesus cast those demons out, uh, she, she responded with a wonderful uh, faith in him. She, she was saved. Uh, the Lord had rescued her out of a great trial. Uh, she responded to that by coming to him uh, with saving faith. Listen, you may be out there today uh, and you're in the middle of a great trial. The best thing that you could do if you've not come to Christ for salvation, for forgiveness of sin, you say, Lord, I'm in the midst of a deep trial, a serious trial. I need you. Uh, I'm going to come to you with humble, repentant faith today. Uh, Mary Magdalene no doubt did that. Now, there's all kinds of uh, folklore about Mary Magdalene. She's, she's typically cast in a, in a very negative light as having been a, you know, this horribly sinful person. She may have been, but all the Bible records uh, before uh, she came to Christ was that she had been possessed by demons. It really doesn't say too much at all about her. What it does say is that Jesus cast out those devils uh, she evidently came to him in faith, uh, and she remained with him. She, uh, she continued uh, to be faithfully there uh, with the Lord. Uh, she, she remained with the Lord at the cross. Uh, the Bible records that she was present at his crucifixion uh, and his burial, John 19 and verse 25. Uh, she wasn't one of these who said, oh, look, he's been arrested and he's, he's being crucified. Must be he's not who he said he was. No, she evidently understood some things. Uh, and and she, she remained faithfully there with him uh, at the cross, at his burial, John 19, 25. What a faith. Uh, what a great faith Mary Magdalene had. And then... Uh, here in today's passage, we find her still faithful. The Lord has been crucified. He's died. He's been buried. Uh, and here comes Mary Magdalene. John, uh, in John's gospel, only records that Mary came. He, he gives her special uh, significance by only recording uh, that she uh, was there. Others were there, uh, including uh, this other Mary in our passage. But Mary Magdalene, still faithful, after the death of Christ, coming to serve him, uh, even in the tomb, uh, what a wonderful faith. What a wonderful faith. 
that's a great example. That's a great example. Now, uh, listen, say what you will about Mary Magdalene. You, you've heard rumors and you, you've heard folklore and fables, but I believe uh, here if we let Scripture characterize her, she, she's a model for Christian living. She's not the monster that has so often uh, been portrayed. She, uh, she's experienced the touch of Christ. She's come to him in faith, and she stayed faithful throughout his ministry and even after his earthly ministry ended. Lord, help us to walk in the same faith, to stay that close to you no matter what. Uh, that's, that's the biblical account of Mary Magdalene. Now, the other Mary, um, it could be the mother of Jesus. Uh, we really don't know. Mark 16 and verse 1 says this uh, is Mary, the mother of James. Uh, Mark 6 and verse 3 does record that Jesus' mother, Mary, had a son, James, of course. He'd be the half-brother of Jesus. And so this could be Mary, the mother of Jesus, but we can't say that definitively. What I can say of this other Mary is just like Mary Magdalene, she's there uh, faithfully still serving uh, her Lord uh, who has died now, uh, coming and anointing his body. That was a custom of the day uh, with spices. That was a custom of the day. Uh, and it's a wonderful picture of faithfulness even at a difficult time like that. Despite the unpleasant business of anointing a body in a tomb, there she is. There they are, the two Marys, uh, serving their Savior. Listen, what can you take away from that? Uh, it's good to know what the Bible says here, but what can you take away from that? How can you apply that? Uh, I understand this morning, and, and you've probably felt this before, serving Christ, not always a pleasant thing. Uh, it, it is sometimes quite difficult uh, Paul certainly knew that in his ministry. Uh, serving the Lord faithfully will sometimes, Zach, be fraught with challenges and trials and difficulties, uh, maybe even harm. Uh, but it, it's, um, it's what we're called to. It's what we're called to. It's what Paul was called to. It was what Peter was called to. Uh, these ladies understood that even though it might not be pleasant, they were still going to go and continue serving their Savior. We can do the same thing uh, because of Christ and because of the Holy Spirit who indwelled us at the moment that we placed our faith in Christ. Uh, even when it's hard, even when it's difficult, uh, even when it feels like it might be unpleasant, uh, to serve him, do it anyway. Uh, he died for us. He most certainly deserves the kind of faithfulness that we see uh, in, the, in the lives, the hearts, the, uh, the ministry of these two Marys. Uh, the Lord deserves that kind of faithfulness from us too. And we certainly can walk with that kind of faithfulness because of Christ. Lord, help us to have the same faith, even when it's hard, even when it's difficult, uh, just as these two Marys do. Now, why don't you move on here, secondly, this morning, and see the messenger, the angel, uh, this, this angel who comes, and uh, he greets the two Marys, and uh, they're evidently frightened by this, and put yourself in their place. You, you might have been frightened by this as well. Uh, here in verse 5, he says, fear not. Why don't you see his message? So we have the messenger, this, this angel of the Lord. He says uh, his message now. First, uh, he says, fear not. Uh, in verse 5, the angel answered and said unto the woman, Fear not ye, both of you, for I know that ye seek Jesus, 
uh, which was crucified. Yep, he was crucified. They've come to anoint him. They, they encounter this, uh, this radiant, glowing angel. Uh, there would have been a fear, uh, but God's message for them begins with this comforting, fear not, uh, fear not. Uh, what's the next thing we see here? He is risen. Uh, he's risen. Don't be afraid. Uh, don't be afraid of me. Uh, focus on this truth that uh, the Lord, your Lord, your Savior, he is risen. Uh, the angel says uh, in the second part of verse 6, he's not here. Uh, not because someone stole him away during the night, but he's not here because he is risen. And then don't miss this uh, at the end of verse 6 here, or, or I should say the next part of verse 6. He is risen. See the next three words there. Brother Ray, what are they? Uh, what, what do you see there? As he said. Jesus made it clear in his ministry, in his teaching, that he would be crucified. He made it very clear that on the third day uh, he would rise again. The angel comes, sent of God, to say, hey, don't, don't worry, don't fear. Uh, he's risen as he said. Well, back in Matthew 12 and verse 40, uh, Jesus said, For as Jonas was three days and three nights in the whale's belly, so shall the Son of Man be three days and three nights uh, in the heart of the earth. In Matthew 17, verse 23, he said, they shall kill him, uh, speaking of himself in the third person, uh, and the third day he shall be raised again. Uh, that's what Jesus taught. He, he knew he's God the Son. He's omniscient. He, he knew then. He, he knows now all things. Uh, he knew why he was sent. He knew that uh, he would be killed upon a cross. He knew that he would be buried. Uh, he knew on the third day he would be rised, raised uh, again. Uh, this is, this is the, the most wonderful truth of Scripture, the cross, the death, burial, and the resurrection. The angel says, come see the place. The angel wants to give them uh, this uh, comforting reassurance uh, and proof. He says, come on in, come, come see the place where Jesus uh, had been laid. He says, come, see the place where the Lord lay. The, the angel wanted them to see with their own eyes that uh, the Jesus who had been laid there in the sepulcher dead uh, on that place, he was no longer there. He really, truly wasn't there, and he wasn't. Uh, so they saw that. The angel says, okay, uh, I've, I've given you the message. I've, I've made it clear. Uh, you've seen with your own eyes Jesus is not in this tomb any longer. You need to go quickly and tell his disciples. Verse 7, the angel said, go quickly, tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead. Go and tell them. Uh, he goeth before you into Galilee. There, the angel says, you, he goes before you. Uh, you'll see him. What a wonderful comfort. Uh, he's not here. He's risen. Go and tell. By the way, uh, you're going to see him. You're going to see him again. What a wonderful truth. And by the way, that's a truth for us too. Uh, those of us who have placed our faith in him, uh, we've never seen him, Brother Ray. Uh, I've never seen Christ. I've never seen the resurrected Savior. But I know that one day I will. And it's on us to tell others how they can know that they will see him too. Uh, so we see here the message and now the response of the Marys. Well, they obeyed. They didn't, they didn't uh, debate among themselves. They, they understood. They understood this was a messenger from God with God's message giving God's command. The command was go and tell. And by the way, you'll see Jesus again. They obeyed. Verse 8 says they departed. 
But see, the next part, the next word in verse 8 is what? what Zach, what's the next word there? Uh, they obeyed the command to go with urgency. The Bible says they departed what? Quickly. Uh, they got up and got going. Uh, they received God's message and they, they got up and they got doing it. The angel said, uh, go and tell people. Uh, go and tell them. They got up and they got going quickly. There was an urgency uh, to tell others. I fear that in churches today, we've lost the sense of urgency uh, that God has called us to have to tell others that Christ has been risen. He is risen. Uh, is there an urgency in our churches today? Is there an urgency uh, in our church? Is there an urgency in your heart to tell other people? Listen, I don't have to tell you this today. Uh, there is a plague across our land and across our world. Uh, the reality is, the difficult truth is that people are dying uh, by the thousands, quite literally. That's a difficult truth, but it's a truth. It's a truth that ought to compel us to have an urgency uh, to share the gospel, the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ, the fact that repentance and faith in him is the only way to be made right with God and to avoid an eternity uh, in a very real hell. If, if the word of God has not compelled an urgency in your heart, perhaps the trial that God is allowing now uh, will help to ignite an urgency in your heart. There ought to be an urgent uh, an urgent desire and an urgent action uh, to share the gospel. Uh, by the way, they, they obeyed here. We see in, in, in verse 8, despite their fear, they had been afraid. They were shaken up by the situation. Uh, today, you might be afraid of what's happening in the world. You might be shaken up uh, by the situation. Uh, there, if we're not careful, uh, there's going to be a temptation to allow the situation, the fear, and our fact that we've been thrown off a little uh, kilter just a little bit by the trial to uh, cause us to not be as obedient as we should be. Well, the two Marys didn't let their fear uh, compel them to disobey. They, they had an urgency, uh, and, and they obeyed despite their fear. The Bible says here in verse 8, they departed quickly with fear. <laughs> Don't miss this. Uh, in doing that, uh, they had a great joy. They departed quickly with fear uh, and with what else? And with great joy. Uh, I don't know this morning if that joy was a, a blessing for their obedience. It might be. Brother Ray, their, their joy, that great joy they had as they departed might have been a blessing from God for their obedience uh, I rather think it was just a great joy at, at seeing the evidence that Christ was resurrected. This morning, we're, we're, we're tempted to fear and, and to sorrow and you know, all, all, the, all these negative emotions. Uh, we're, we're tempted to kind of wallow in this morning. But listen, Christ has risen. Uh, he's been resurrected. You can find joy in that truth no matter what. Uh, no matter, don't forget to rejoice in the truth that Christ has been uh, resurrected. He died for you. He allowed his blood to be shed for you. He died for you. He was buried for you. But he's also resurrected, and there ought to be a great joy. Uh, this is an occasion for uh, great joy. Next part of verse six is, or, uh, verse eight, I should say, they did run uh, to bring his disciples' word. Again, that obedience, that urgency. 
uh, and the joy. They just ran off to tell people, uh, he's risen, uh, he's resurrected. Maybe we'll call somebody today and say, hey, I want, I want to tell you about my Savior. I want to tell you what Easter is really about. Yep, you can have some fun with candy and Easter eggs and, and all of that, but here's what it's really about. It's about the resurrected Christ, and here's, uh, here's why he died in the first place, so that he needed to be resurrected. Let me tell you uh, about that. He's my Savior. Uh, he's the Jewish Messiah. That's our, our third point this morning, the Messiah. So we've seen the Marys, we've seen the messenger, we've seen the Marys respond to the messenger, uh, and now we see their Messiah, our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who was resurrected. Uh, just as the Marys had been told by the messenger, uh, they met Jesus and they spoke with him. They saw him uh, and they spoke with him. Jesus met them. Uh, as they traveled uh, back to Galilee, uh, and he encouraged their hearts. Does your heart need to be encouraged this morning? Uh, Jesus encouraged their hearts. Look at verse 9. Jesus met them saying, what are the next two words there? Uh, guys here, what are the next two words there? You got your Bibles out, right? All hail. Jesus met them uh, as they were traveling, as they were hurrying off the disciples, uh, and he said, all hail. Now, this was a common greeting, in some ways, uh, kind of an idiom like we might say, hello there, but it literally has, uh, it has literal meaning of rejoice, and it's um, framed grammatically as an imperative. It's a command. So when Jesus cried out to them, all hail, uh, what he was literally doing was commanding them to rejoice. Now, sometimes we have to be commanded, Brother Ray, to rejoice, we get bogged down in all this stuff in our lives and uh, now throw in coronavirus and COVID-19 and uh, frankly, the illness and the death that is all around us. Uh, it, it would be hard uh, not to just begin to become very negative uh, and to lose hope uh, and to never rejoice in Bible truth. We, sometimes we need to be reminded and commanded. We need to be reminded that we are commanded to rejoice uh, in Christ. This is an imperative. Jesus cried out to them, you rejoice, uh, the two of you, you all rejoice. Of course, we're commanded to rejoice in Christ also. Uh, he commands them to rejoice. The, the cross was not a defeat. Uh, he is resurrected. The consequence of sin was overcome at the cross. Uh, he was raised, and certainly uh, there was something to rejoice about then, and there still is today, even in the face of a, a global pandemic. So uh, put yourself in the place of the Marys. Uh, they came to anoint him. He's not there. Uh, the angel gives the message. They, uh, they, they're fearful still. They're shaken up, but they're, uh, they, they go with great joy. And Jesus says to rejoice, and they meet up with him, and they just grab on to him, Brother Ray. They, uh, they felt like they lost him for a time, but they found him again, and uh, they begin to worship so wonderfully right there. They didn't delay worshiping him. They, they just fell at his feet and, and began to worship him uh, right there. Verse 9, next part of verse 9 says, They came and they held him by the feet and worshiped him. That is a wonderful picture of worship. Worship literally has the idea of humble bowing down. 
uh, when we worship. Don't, don't say you're, you're worshiping if you're coming pridefully saying, Lord, I, uh, I'm demanding something from you today. Oh, no, worship is literally, it's, it's an act of humility. It is a bowing down. It is acknowledging that God is God and I am not and uh, I'm small before you. I, I humble myself under you. God, I place myself under your authority uh, and, and yield myself. That's worship. That's a worshipful heart. You see a, a picture of that here uh, in this next part of verse 9. They, they came, both of them, and they held him by the feet. So uh, if they held him by the feet, they're down on the ground, right? They're, 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 they're prostrating themselves before. They're, they're humbly down on the ground, clinging to him, uh, grabbing him at the feet and worshiping him. I pray this morning that you approach the Lord with that same kind of reverence, that same kind of, uh, we're, we're far too casual in our relationship with the Lord. There's, there's so often a lack of reverence. Uh, I don't know if that's the case in our church today. I'm not accusing anyone of anything. Uh, but, but in churches uh, around the world, I think there's, there's, there's a lack of reverence, a lack of humility. Uh, this is a wonderful picture of reverent humility. And don't miss this, just grabbing onto the Lord, clinging to him. What, what a wonderful picture that is of, of reverently, humbly clinging on to your Savior. Boy, I hope you're doing that this morning. Uh, I, I hope you draw close to him daily, that you purpose in your heart to do that in prayer, uh, in, in his word, and, and you just you grab on to him like you're never going to let him go. And don't ever let him go. Uh, he doesn't want you to. Jesus again encourages their heart in verse 10. He says, be not afraid. Brother Ray, be not afraid. Uh, there was nothing to fear. He paid the price for sin. He, he was resurrected. Uh, don't be afraid. He's, in, uh, he's blessing them for their humble worship by encouraging them. And he's still in that business today. Uh, you, we have nothing to fear but the Lord himself. Uh, fear him. He's God. Uh, and fear nothing else. Jesus says, don't be afraid. Uh, he directed them as the angel had to go and tell. So the angel who's God's messenger says, go and tell. Jesus says, okay, you've worshiped and I'm blessing you, encouraging you. Now go and tell. Go and tell uh, what you've seen. You've seen the empty tomb. You've seen the resurrection Christ. The resurrection Christ. Uh, go and tell. So they do. They obey the Lord's command to go and tell. Obedience is a wonderful thing. It's what we're called to. Uh, the next few verses, we see the account of soldiers being bribed. We'll not revisit that. But I want you to see um, number three. Uh, number three. Uh, the men, uh, the men who were his disciples. Uh, I should say number four, number four, the men who were his disciples. Uh, so we've seen the Marys, we've seen the messenger, the angel, the Messiah, the resurrected Christ. I want you to see the men who are his disciples and, and uh, what they experienced here. So the message was to go to Galilee, seek Christ there. They did that. They obeyed the command. Lord, help us to be people who obey you. Lord, help us to be people who obey you. Lord, help us to be people who obey you rather than our own hearts, our own desires, our own lusts. Uh, they went to seek him uh, per the message that Jesus gave to Mar the Marys in, back in verse 10. Um, Matthew 28, 16 says, Then the 11 disciples went away in Galilee into a mountain where Jesus had appointed them. Uh, they sought him. They sought him. 
Hebrews 11 verse 6 says, But without faith it's impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Uh, he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Well, they were commanded to go and seek him, and they did. Uh, they went and they diligently sought him, and they were rewarded with the, the privilege of seeing the resurrected Christ, and they were rewarded with the opportunity to worship the resurrected Christ and his physical presence, and they were rewarded with the privilege to be commissioned by the resurrected Christ for the ministry that they were called to, and by extension, we uh, are called to. But uh, first see in, in verse 17, just like the Marys had worshiped Christ humbly, uh, they did. When they saw him, uh, verse 17, what does it say there? What does it say? Are you there? Uh, when they saw him, they worshiped him. Uh, they got down, they humbled themselves, they worshiped him. Lord, help us to humble ourselves under you, to worship you. The Bible does say here that some doubted. We know uh, Thomas doubted. He had to see the physical proof. Uh, we understand that. Uh, in John 20 and verse 29, Jesus said, Thomas, because thou hast seen me, thou hast believed. Blessed are they that have not seen and have yet believed. Brother Ray, again, we've not seen Christ but the Lord has given us faith to believe him. I would just encourage, as I have so often for people that have not yet come to Christ, um, listen, I've not seen him, you've not seen him, but it's possible to know with the same certainty as if you'd seen him like these folks in this passage that he is resurrected, that he is God the Son. How is that? Well, if you'll just get into the Bible, let God speak to you through his living words and and, and come with a humble heart and say, Lord, boy, if this is true, I need you to convince me, convict me in my heart, in my mind, that these are your words and that they are true, that Jesus is God the Son, the only way, that he, he shed his blood, he died, he was buried, he rose again for me, and he's the only way. Lord, if that's true, convict me in my own heart. Listen again, just ask God if that's the case to show you, to convince you, to convict you. If, if you'll come humbly and genuinely, he's going to do that. I, I can give you a great assurance this morning. Uh, he's going to do that. That's a prayer that the Lord greatly desires to answer. So the disciples were obedient to go to where they were told to go. Uh, they humbled themselves before the Lord. They, they worshiped him and they're blessed with the privilege to be commissioned by him. Uh, it's the Great Commission. It's the same great purpose that churches uh, and church members have still today. Uh, no one today should be sitting anywhere saying, I don't have purpose. I have no reason to go on. No, in Christ, you have great purpose. You have God's purpose for your life, and you, has his, you have his strength his power, his enablement uh, to carry out that purpose. The Lord Jesus Christ himself ministered evidently on earth in the strength and power of the Spirit of God who anointed him. We minister in the strength and power of the Spirit of God who indwells us, who comes in and changes us and indwells us and guides us and strengthens us and aids our understanding and remembrance of God's word. All of those things the moment we place our faith in Christ. So 
uh, this purpose that we see here this morning. It's not a, oh, I can't do that, I'll, uh, so I still don't have purpose. I can't, I can't do God's purpose because I don't have the ability. No, in Christ you find, you are enabled to do that which he has called us to do. So uh, see here with me, please, and it's a familiar passage, but let's, let's review it together quickly this morning. In, in this context, it comes right after the resurrection. Uh, the, the first teaching the Lord gives here in this passage after he meets up with his disciples after the resurrection is, uh, now you've got to go and tell. Uh, the Marys were told to go and tell, and they did. They went and told. Now Jesus tells them they've got to go and tell. This is the Great Commission. Verse 18 is Jesus' authority. Jesus came uh, Matthew records and spoke unto them, saying, All power is given unto me, and in heaven and earth. Power could be translated authority. It's not a wrong translation. It's just it could have been translated authority. Christ has power and authority to command his people. He has authority as God the Son to command his people to do whatever he chooses to do. What did he command? Well, there's, there's four things uh, that we see here. The first is, and just get these quickly, we'll not belabor this. Uh, number one, he says, go ye, all of you, go. Uh, he says, go ye, therefore. I have authority to command you, therefore, go ye. Grammatically, ye was all of them, and of course, it's all of us as church members as well. Go, go from here to where everybody knows Christ, who he is and, and what he's done and, and, and how he can be saved by faith. Go to where people still need to hear the truth so that they don't have to go to hell. There's no escape from hell. Go, go from here to there where people still need to hear the truth. He says, uh, go ye, all of them, all of us, uh, everybody is included in this verse. If you're not going and telling, you're not being obedient to the Lord. I don't say that to be harsh or mean or unloving or, or cruel, but I, I remind us this morning that the Savior who died on the cross for us has called us to go and tell others, to go and tell others. It's the most loving choice you can make. Secondly, he says, uh, teach uh, teach them. He, the Bible says, and teach all nations. Go and teach the gospel to all people. Nations, there's ethnos, people groups. Don't leave anybody out because they look different, talk different, act different, uh, differently, uh, speak differently. Uh, don't be prejudiced in any way. Everyone everywhere needs to hear the gospel. The, Jesus said, go there everywhere. Uh, go to your front yard, your backyard, go to your neighbors, go, go to, I understand you can't do it physically right now, but you have all the technology. The, and if you don't have much technology, you have a telephone, right? Use it. And if you don't have that, use the mail. Uh, go, put a sign up in the front yard. You can do that too. Uh, go and tell. Teach all nations, all peoples the gospel. A pastor, I don't know how to do that. I haven't been to seminary. You don't need to be. Uh, <laughs> you don't need to be a seminary graduate to do that. Get a gospel track. Download one from our, Download an article from our website. Mark out some verses in your Bible. Uh, I'll mail you gospel tracts. We have these wonderful new uh, gospel tracts. We've been able to get more than 700 of them out to Trumbull Homes. We, we still have another 12 or 1,300. Uh, text me, email me. We will mail them to you, uh, and, and you can mail them out to whomever you feel God would have you to do. He says, go, teach the gospel, teach all nations, 
Uh, thirdly, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Uh, that's, the, that's God's order. People hear the gospel, they get saved, and then they get baptized. Baby baptism is not biblical. You can't find it once in scripture. The reason you can't find it is it's not there. It's not implied, it's not taught, it's not there. Baptism is a picture of someone's considered decision to place their faith in the Christ uh, who was uh, lifted up onto the cross, who shed his blood, who died, uh, who was buried uh, and who rose again. And when you do it biblically by immersion in water, it pictures that. Uh, you picture your faith in the Christ uh, who was lifted up to the cross, who died. As you go into the water, you picture your faith in Christ who was buried. And as you come out of the water, you picture your faith in Christ who was resurrected. If we baptize biblically, it's a wonderful picture uh, of the, the truth that is the gospel. Uh, and then, of course, we see reference here to discipling, teaching the new believer to obey all that Christ has commanded. Uh, verse 20, teaching them to obey all things whatsoever I have commanded you. So Jesus gives this wonderful commission, this great purpose. Go, teach the gospel. When someone gets saved by repentant faith in Christ, baptize them. That'll be a testimony of, of their, their saving faith. And then teach them, disciple them, all of God's words, all that Christ has commanded, they need to learn and, and need to grow. And then Jesus closes that class, that teaching session with a wonderfully comforting promise. He says at the end of verse 20, and lo, I am with you. I will remain in your midst always, 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 always even unto or until the end of the world. That is how that commission can be carried out. The power of Christ, power of the Spirit of God. But it is also a wonderfully comforting truth. I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Uh, this morning, if you know Christ, you have been indwelt by the Spirit of God, God the Father and God the Son. There's nowhere that you can go where you are not in the indwelling presence of God. The Lord has promised to be with us, to stay with us, to remain with us, to never forsake us. That is a wonderfully comforting truth in very difficult times like that, those like this time, there we go, this time that we are in right now. Uh, please consider again the Marys, their faithfulness, their faithfulness. The message of the angel, he's not here, he is risen. Their response, they obeyed, they rejoiced, they were quick to go and tell. The message of Christ and the commission of the men who were his disciples Go and tell, go and tell. The Marys had a great urgency. They had a wonderful urgency. I want to encourage us this morning to close in prayer for the same urgency. Lord, give us urgency to share your words. Give us faith, give us courage. Help us to not be embarrassed in any way. That simply would not make sense. 
give us a great urgency to share the gospel any way that we can. And Lord, as we do, bless us. Let's pray, please. Father, I thank you, Lord, so very much for this Resurrection Sunday. Uh, truly, our Savior has risen. He is not in that tomb. Father, I thank you for the example of the Marys who obeyed uh, with urgency and with joy. Father, I thank you for the disciples who were obedient to go and seek him and, and to worship him. Uh, Lord, and, and they were blessed with this amazing commission, this great purpose that we understand from your word that we share with them. Lord, I pray this morning that you would give us the urgency that times like this demands. Lord, I understand that there, that urgency should be there always in our hearts, but perhaps especially now. Lord, perhaps one of your purposes for this trial of coronavirus and COVID-19 is to remind us of the urgency that we should have to share the gospel. Lord, I understand no one can be saved apart from hearing the gospel, hearing how to be saved. Lord, you've called us to go and tell. Father, I pray this morning that we would be faithful as uh, Mary Magdalene was, and we would be urgent as the two Marys were. And Lord, as we do, that you would bless us as you bless the Marys and the men, the disciples of Christ. Lord, make us true disciples. Help us to be truly yielded to you. Help us to be truly obedient to you. Lord, as we saw in our 10 o'clock hour today, help us to be yielded that we might be sanctified and made more available for your use. Father, thank you today for the certainty that Christ did not only die, but was resurrected as well. Father, I love you this morning. I thank you. I pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to thank you for joining us this morning. Uh, we'll close in song, but before we do that, I just want to encourage you again. Uh, if you've never placed your faith in Christ, you, you need to make that decision. Uh, if you're not sure about that, you, you, I encourage you to, to pray and ask the Lord to show you. Uh, if you have questions, uh, you can send me an email, hammond.robert, H-A-M-M-O-N-D.robert at gmail.com. Uh, send me a question. Uh, I would be delighted. It would be my privilege to answer your questions and, and to help you find uh, the answers that, that you need. Uh, thanks so much for joining us again today. Happy Resurrection Day. Zach will come and close us in a song. Uh, he'll pray we'll be dismissed. Thank you very much. All right, we'll take our hymnals and turn to number 644. We'll sing the first and the last of Springs of Living Water, number 644. I thirsted in the barren land of sin and shame, and nothing satisfying there I found. But to the blessed cause of Christ one day I came, where springs of living water did abound. Drinking at the springs of living water, happy now am I, my soul they satisfy. Drinking at the springs of living water, Oh, wonderful and bountiful supply. 
Oh sinner, won't you come today to Calvary? A fountain there is flowing deep and wide. The Savior now invites you to the water free, where thirsting spirits can be satisfied. Drinking at the springs of living water, happy now am I, my soul they satisfy. Drinking at the springs of living water, wonderful and bountiful supply. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the opportunity to listen to your word. We thank you for dying and we thank you for rising, Lord, and we thank you for our salvation. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.